0: Wow, this year went by fast, didn't it? Anybody else, I mean, I've always heard the saying, especially um, having kids now that the uh, the days are long, but the years are short, right? And I really do believe that. Like when you start, you know, having kids, like I have a three-year-old and an 11-month-old, so parents with your kids, don't worry about it if they make noise. I wrote this whole message with my three-year-old and my 11-month-old running around um, being noisy kids. Um, so be gracious to me if there's some, some stuff in there. Um, that they snuck in, I, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but it's gonna be fun. Um, so I'm gonna try to keep this message a little bit shorter. Um, just for the sake of our kids uh, that are joining us this morning. Next week, we will have our full family services um, available. So all the nursery toddler and up and junior high and high school will be meeting over there. Um, I'm looking forward to getting together back with the junior high and high school. We've had about two weeks off of, um, I miss them. So um, it's gonna be fun to have them. I hope they don't throw anything at me in the service um, because they're mad at me for not meeting with them the last two weeks, but we've had Christmas and New Year's. It's been a busy time. So um, they should be okay with that. Um, so last week, we celebrated, I think, one of the most important events in world history, the coming of Jesus Christ as a baby, the birth of Jesus Christ, the advent of Christ. And the King, the King of Kings, right? He came, became a man to humble parents in a humble place, the town of Bethlehem. It was like, this is a little town, uh, of mostly of shepherds. And yet in that humility, in the humble beginnings of Christ, he was also glorified incredibly as just outside of the manger scene that we all love, there's a host of heavenly beings that appear to these, these shepherds as they're watching over their flock at night saying, glory to God in the highest and peace, goodwill t- towards men. And as they are worshiping God, they, they announce this coming birth, the, the birth of the Messiah, the Savior, to these shepherds. And they say, go and find him. You'll find him wrapped in a swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And they go and they worship him. They were really the, the first people, the first Jewish people to go and worship their newborn king, the King of Kings. And that is a great thing that we got to celebrate. But this morning, I want to I actually focus our attention on what happened after the birth of Christ. And we're going to focus on the first Gentiles to worship Jesus. This will be the first people that are non-Jewish that came from a very far ways away. Um, They came from the east, the land of the east, the rising sun, to worship Jesus. And they traveled a great distance to find this king of kings because they saw his star in the sky. We're going to be talking about the the wisdom of the wise men this morning. So um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 2. I think there's a lot of wisdom in here um, for us um, as we look forward to 2024, um, the craziness, the chaoticness, uh, the anxiety-inducing election year that we have to look forward to. Um, I think that we have a lot that we can learn from these wise men. So let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12 together. And if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We have wonderful ushers in the back. They will come find you and give you a Bible. And if you don't have one to call your own, please take this home, and this could be your Bible for the new year. Um, So let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod heard the king say this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them What time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After hearing, listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it arose went before them until it rested over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their country by another way. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, it is my great desire this morning that we would all worship Jesus as the King of Kings. Lord, that we would all come to bow down at this, the, the birth of this king, Lord, that we'd bow our hearts before him, and like the wise men, Lord, this morning, that we would seek Jesus, that we'd find Jesus, and that we would worship him. And indeed, some of us, Lord, I know in this room have worshiped Jesus for many years, and I spoke to them even in first service. Lord, I pray, I pray for those of us that have worshiped you for many years, that you would grant us, even us, a renewed reverence and a deeper love for Jesus this next year. God, I also know that your spirit works in mysterious ways to draw men and women to yourself. Lord, you used a star for the magi, used a great catch of fish for the disciples. Lord, I, I pray that you would use maybe even this message to draw people to yourself as we focus on the wise men this morning. I believe that there are people in this room, Lord, in our church this morning that are coming here and they're seeking you. And Lord, like these magi, They are maybe not geographically far from you, Lord, but spiritually and intellectually they are far from you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would stir their hearts and their minds as we study the wisdom of the Magi, that they would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as the King of kings and worship before him. Lord, I pray all these things, and I pray that you'd speak through me, even without much sleep last night. Lord, I do ask that you would speak through me, and I bless this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I had a wonderful 11-month-old keep me up most of the night last night, Um, so please forgive me if um, I'm messing up words. I didn't do much of it first service, but second service, you never know. It could be more fun. Um, So um, who were these magi, these men that came to worship Jesus? Uh, Many of you guys probably set up nativity sets this year, right? Any of you kids set up nativity sets? How about the new ones that we handed out? Yeah? Okay, so who were part of the nativity set? Who are some of the characters in the nativity set that you got to set up? There's Mary and Joseph. Were there any animals? Some sheep? Some shepherds maybe with the sheep? Um, And then what? There's usually three wise men, right, that go with that set. Now, church tradition and history teaches us that there's traditionally been three wise men, but that's only really rooted in the fact that there are three gifts given to Jesus by these wise men. The Magi, we really don't know the exact number of them, and nor does it matter for our salvation, quite honestly. Um, the, The point of this story is that wise men from the East right? The east is the land of the rising sun, the land of new beginnings. It's this land of people that looked at the stars. And these magi were men that were the, of the top intellectual class. They were the scientists of their days. They watched how the stars revolved around the earth, and they saw there was significance in the stars. And they knew that when this star rose over Bethlehem, that this indicated that a great king had been born. And Herod didn't even argue with that. Herod actually knew that that was true. Right? because they actually believed in the astrological significance of these star events. right? So there was Herod and these wise men, they saw this star. The wise men traveled, uh, probably if they're from the east, there's, it's likely that they are from either Iran or Persia, which means that they would have traveled about 800 miles to find Jesus. Now you can imagine that this great multitude of people um, traveling, the Magi traveling 800 miles to find Jesus probably took some time right? And we don't know whether they were riding donkeys as is, or not donkeys, they could have been riding donkeys. Um, Could have been camels, as often depicted in our nativity scenes, or um, probably even like Persian horses, just giant horses that they would have ridden too. So we really don't know. Um, The fact is that they went through great lengths to find Jesus. And in this story, we're going to find the significance of these wise men seeking Jesus. Why they sought Jesus. And we're going to see the the difference, right? There's there's quite a a, a difference when you look at how the wise men sought Jesus versus how Herod saw Jesus, and then how even the priests saw Jesus. So we're going to dive in and look a little bit about that. The good news here is that God does use mysterious things to draw us to Himself, right? He uses this star of Bethlehem to draw people to Himself, and. The prophet Jeremiah spoke of this when he said, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. These wise men understood that they were searching for something of supreme significance, a supreme truth, a supreme reality that, that God had come become man, that a king had been born that was going to be the king of kings. Now, where did they get this idea? Because they weren't Jewish. We don't know we don't necessarily know. They saw the star and they knew that it indicated that this great king had been born. I think that the, if you look at the Magi, if you guys are familiar with the story of Daniel and the lion's den, dead, dead, that same Daniel, remember he was put as the chief of these the same group called the Magoi or the Magi. And this was about four to 500 years prior to the birth of Christ. So my theory would probably be that these were men that kind of descended or of the lineage of that, that magi that lived under Daniel, and that Daniel had some significant impact on them, being the chief of them and interpreting dreams and everything. They understood that this God was the true God. And that they saw exactly, they knew that the signs were what the signs were to look for for this God, the coming of this God. And when they saw that sign that was very clear to them that the, that the king had been born, they immediately left their home country on this journey to find Jesus, the King of Kings. So in Psalm 19.1, it says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the stars are his handiwork, right? Or the work of his hands. And honestly, like we do see that. If you guys ever look at the stars at night, how many of you guys ever do that? and you see a comet go by, or you see shooting stars, or you, the stars are, are very, very significant, right? And yet God placed every single one of them and knows them by name. God knows where they're gonna be. And there are theories out there. Now, this, again, isn't in the text necessarily, that the star of Bethlehem, and around the same time, there was an alignment of Saturn and Jupiter in the sky in six to seven BC, um, which would have been right around the time of Jesus' birth, that would have looked like a giant star in the sky right? There would have been this phenomenon, a natural occurring phenomenon that would have happened around the same time. We don't know necessarily that that was the case, but it certainly could have been. God uses mysterious things, and he can use even the natural occurring as, again, he created it all, right? With a purpose, with a plan. And that's what even the wise men of old understood that there was intelligent design in creation, and it led them to the belief that there is a God who is intelligently manipulating and controlling and, every, and, and has everything in his hands, right? It's God that's outside of His creation and yet works in it. So while astronomy is again astronomy and astrology, I always get those two mixed up. But astronomy again is the study of the universe, it's the contents outside of our soul, outside of our planet. Uh, while astrology is the study of how what's going on outside of our planet affects human being and human life, right? So the Bible does not here condone the the, the study of astrology. Right, that'd be like just trying to look at the stars and saying, "Okay, this is this planet's here, and this is what's going on here." So people are going to be a little wacky today. Um, not at all, really condoning that, but God does work in the heavens, and the heavens declare His handiwork. And God used this particular star, which is important, to draw these wise men to Himself. Um, they asked the question. This is what we know about them. They came and they asked the question, "Where is He who is born King of the Jews?" They knew who they were looking for. They knew that they were looking for this king of the Jews. And what's most striking about this passage is again, how they differ from King Herod and how they differ from the chief priests. So point number one on your outline is this. The newborn king demands a decision. The newborn king demands a decision. It was clear that a king had been born. In fact, Roman kings had been born with a star as a significant sign for them in the past. Like, this has happened, and it wasn't a, an unnatural phenomenon for them to believe this, even at this first century time period. So when King Herod was told by these wise men who showed up, and again, I believe there's more than three personally, or at least that they were with a great entourage of people, because three men don't typically frighten a city, right? If you have three men enter a city, they don't typically make all of Jerusalem afraid and troubled. But when you have a great entourage of people from the east, from this foreign land, come into your land, into your town, into the capital city of your nation, and they say, hey, where's the king? He's been born. And King Herod's like, well, I don't have a son. And all of a sudden, he's thinking, well, this isn't good. I, uh, I need to figure this out. And he's asking them, well, I don't know. And he, what does he do? He gathers together the scribes, the religious leaders, and they tell him immediately, Micah 5.2, this is where the king is to be born. This is where it's been prophesied. He's going to come in the city of Bethlehem, the town of Bethlehem. And they, while they knew that, neither Herod nor the religious leaders of the time, of this, the tribe of Levi, right? These religious leaders are the people that are in charge of knowing the scriptures, but then actually worshiping God and leading the people in the worship of God. And neither of them were interested in following the Magi to Bethlehem. You see, the birth of the newborn king demands that we make a decision. We either accept him as king Right? Because when you're confronted with the reality of Christ in your life, you can either accept him as king of your life and then worship him as king of your life, or you can reject him like Herod and like the chief priests and pretend that he doesn't exist and try to get rid of him. But that doesn't work because Jesus doesn't go away. like You cannot disregard that for 2,000 years that Jesus was a historical figure, as Miles talked about last week, that he actually walked this, this earth. Jews today cannot argue that fact that Jesus was actually a man, that he actually walked this earth, that he actually was crucified, that he actually taught the things that he taught and that eyewitnesses saw him rise from the dead and walk among them. You have to wrestle with the truth of Jesus that we have for 2,000 years that the impact that the church has had on our world for the last 2,000 years. You have to wrestle with all of these things that you're confronted with and then you have to make a decision. You have to say, okay, is this this clearly a sign that the, this, is my, this is the king that I'm going to worship? Or am I going to reject him and try to hold on to the power myself like King Herod? Or am I going to reject him because he's not, he's not the kind of king that I want? Right, like, like I think the high priests had. They were indifferent to him. Now, just a note regarding the high priest, right? Because Herod, in general, like, he was, he was greatly troubled by this. And so was all of Jerusalem, right? They were all very troubled by this. And it's very interesting because the wise men, they traveled 800, we'll say, we'll say 800 miles. They traveled a great distance to find this king. And nobody's excited about him when they get there. Right? Isn't that crazy? Like, just think about that for a minute. Like, they're, from their perspective, they're walking into this, the capital city of Jerusalem. You'd think that this place would be lit up, that there'd be a party because this king had been born, and yet nothing. Crickets. And in fact, they're the ones that that bring this message of good news, of great joy, that a savior had been born to them, the king of the Jews. And Herod's greatly troubled because his own title was the king of the Jews, right? His own title was king of the Jews. In fact, he was so threatened by this that immediately he starts plotting how he's going to kill Jesus. And one of his plans is after the wise men leave in this story, they go by another way to their own country, they avoid Herod. Herod realizes that he's been deceived by them. He sends all of his troops into Bethlehem and the surrounding regions to kill all the male children two years old and younger. This was an evil man that sought power. If you think we live in politically turbulent times right now, imagine living in the first century. So these wise men in the times that they were living, and they came and they they gave this news. They asked this question, where is he that's born king of the Jews? Now, they went to where the star led them, which was Judea, right? The land of Israel. And they went to the capital city where kings would be born. And yet, the king was not there. The chief priest knew that he was going to be born in Bethlehem, but they did not want to go see him. Now, the high priest's indifference. Now, this is just a point I want to make for some of you guys that maybe have come from, um, you've had a, a church background of some sort, but you've been discouraged by an indifferent pastor in your past. So maybe you guys have experienced that. Don't let an indifferent pastor or person get in the way of you getting to God, right? Don't let an indifferent pastor or person get in the way of you seeking the Most High God, the King of Kings, and worshiping Him. Point number two is, that, is this. Like the Magi, we should seek and worship Christ the king as the wise men did. We should seek and worship Christ the king as the wise men did. They didn't let the, you know, the indifference of the wise men or you know, the fact that Herod wasn't even interested really in going with them. They went alone. They said, okay, you know, and Jerusalem's only five miles from Bethlehem, guys. It's a very short trek. They could have easily got down there pretty quickly and, and discovered for themselves the king of the Jews, and yet they were totally indifferent Right? They didn't care about worshiping this king of the Jews. The Magi went on their own. They went without the chief priests, without Herod. And they went on their own to seek this king. They went through incredibly great lengths to seek and to find Jesus. And some of you guys are maybe just beginning your journey of finding Jesus. Right? You realize that there is a supreme truth, a supreme reality that God does exist, and you're trying to find out who that God is. And I'm here today to proclaim to you, as the star of Bethlehem proclaimed the coming of the Messiah, that Jesus is that king. Jesus is that God that came and became a man and dwelled among us to save us from our sins. Like the wise men who went through great lengths to find Jesus, are you willing to go through great lengths to find Jesus? Are you willing to put it all on the line? They had to travel a great distance. That means preparation had to be made. That means it cost them something. It cost them a lot of time. It cost them money to travel that great distance and bring all the people that they brought with them and the food they brought with them it costs them great resources to go find Jesus. There is nothing more valuable than finding Jesus in this life. And Jesus actually spoke about this in a parable where he said a man went to go buy a field and when he was walking around this field, he found a great treasure buried in this field. And what does he do? When he finds this great treasure of uncomparable uh, of, uh, in- value, he goes and sells everything that he has and then buys that property so he can have that treasure. Now, that's what Jesus is to these wise men. He's this incomparable treasure that they're seeking and they're gonna find. And they're willing to pay anything it is to get to him, to find him. But you see, general revelation, the star in the sky can only get them so far, it got them to Bethlehem. And, and the stars do proclaim the glory of God and all of creation, I think, points to the fact that we have an intelligent designer that made us in his image for a purpose, right? We all have that longing in our heart, that desire in our heart to be, to be wanted by God to know God, to have that connection with God. And out of all of the stars in the sky and the universe and how vast it is, he chose you and I to desire a personal relationship with. That's incredible. That's incredible. So what did the wise men need? They needed the scriptures, right? Tomorrow you're gonna have some, hopefully a day off for some of you guys. Um, open the scripture up. Seek the one true God, the King of Kings, and you will find him. Take time and read your Bibles. There's nothing more important you can do because armed with the biblical insight that they got from the high priests from Micah chapter 2, this prophecy that said that Jesus would be born in Judea um, in in the town of Bethlehem, they were able to find Jesus and the star led them right over the house where Mary and Joseph and Jesus were. Now again, this happened about a year and a half after the birth of Jesus. This didn't happen immediately after. So yes, our manger scenes are not exactly accurate. It's okay, Um, it's gonna be fine. In fact, I still think it's a great tradition that we do those, that we do set those up, um, as Miles talked about. I remember as a kid growing up, my parents would always set up the manger scene in early December without one thing, with one thing missing, though. They'd set up the entire scene so there'd be Mary, Joseph, the little manger with the hay, and the wise men, and, the, and everything else. But baby Jesus wasn't in the manger until Christmas morning. So we would all wake up, and me and my siblings, we would be so excited to go run out there. One of the first things we'd look for was, is baby Jesus in the manger? And sure enough, every Christmas morning, he was in the manger. But now, like, as I'm older and as a pastor, like, I've studied these, and I'm like, well, yeah, the shepherds wouldn't have been there yet either. So, like, it should have just been Mary and Joseph in an empty manger all through December until... <laughs> it's okay. All, I forgive my parents. Um, they, they, the tradition that they set up was to, for us to anticipate the coming of Jesus, and that was so powerful for us as kids, right? It was so powerful for us to anticipate the coming of the, the birth of Jesus. Um, and I think that that's what exactly what the wise men were seeking, right? That's the wisdom of the wise men that we should seek and worship Christ the King as the wise men did. So like the wise men, we should worship God though with the appropriate means, right? When the wise men came into the door, right? They were led to the door by this star. And I know a lot of people that I've personally led to the door of Christ, right? And they've looked at the door, but they're like, I can't go in right now. There's still something holding me back. And maybe you've been looking at that door, but you haven't entered in. The wise men entered in because they were wise, And when they entered into that door, they saw Jesus Christ, the Savior, the baby, a a one-and-a-half, probably one-and-a-half-year-old baby with his mom and dad. And they got down on their knees and they worshiped him. And part of the overflow of their worship wasn't just them worshiping God in, in word, but also worshiping God with the gifts that they brought him right? It was, it was actually a very symbolic gift that they gave him, the three gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. The gold, and I guarantee none of you guys in the offering today dropped gold or frankincense and myrrh, right? That, that's okay. Um, I don't expect you to, although it would actually be quite, you know, thrilling to me to find that. Like, I, I would actually find it pretty great, um, especially this time of the year. Um, so, next year, guys. Um, <laughs> teasing. Um, but gold symbolizes the unity of Um, or the the divinity of Christ, right? That that Christ is unified both as a man and God, right? That's what the gold symbolizes. And the frankincense is something that you would burn in the temple. uh, So it'd be a sweet smelling aroma into heaven. And that would be symbolized the holiness and righteousness of God. And the myrrh would symbolize that there was gonna be the bitter suffering and the affliction that Jesus Christ would experience as a man on the cross, so it's actually, it was very symbolic what they gave him, but they gave him out of their own means. Like these were wise men with great resources and they were able to give this gold, this frankincense and this myrrh, three things that were expensive and not easily to get in this, in this day. Now they worshiped God with the appropriate means that they had available to them. Are you worshiping God with the appropriate means available to you? right? When Jesus was in the temple and all of these wealthy men are dropping in all this change into the, the offering basket or the offering bowl, and they're hearing all the, the change, you know, ting down the thing, and it sounds so great when you can give that much money. And Jesus is like, no, 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 look at that widow. She's got one mite, one penny. And she dropped that in there, and she, she said, her faith is greater than all of theirs. She's given everything, See, when we find Jesus, he doesn't just ask for just a 10%. He asks for everything. He asks for all of you, every part of you. He asks for all of you, your energy, your time, your talents, your treasures. Are you giving God the appropriate means that you should be in your worship? And I ask you to consider that as we enter into this new year, that maybe this new year you should, you should be giving more. Maybe you should be giving your time more. Maybe you should be you know, volunteering here more in the kids' ministry or um, with the high school and junior highers or wherever it is. Maybe God has been calling you and stirring you, saying you need to serve with your time, your talents, and your treasures more like these wise men did. We should worship God with the appropriate means like the wise men. So point number three on your outlines, and we will wrap up with point number three, but we still have a few minutes here, so don't get too excited. Um, Point number three is that the joy experienced by the Magi can be your joy. Now, this is an important one, right? Because we're entering into a year, 2024, that's probably not going to be a fun year, right? I don't necessarily have great anticipation for it being a great financial year or a great political year, right? It's probably going to be a little chaotic, like every major election year. But these men traveled through turbulent times in the first century And when they got to Jesus Christ, the most important thing they could ever get to, right? The King of Kings. They bowed down, they worshiped him and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Like in the original text, it's like they rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Like they rejoiced with an incredible joy. Now, as Christians, we ought to have that joy, right? We ought to have that joy because church is stinking important and Christ being joyful in Christ is stinking important, right? For all you kids in here. And they rejoiced this way despite what was going on politically or culturally at the time. They rejoiced because they had found the King of Kings. Because their journey had been successful. Seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Are you seeking God today with all of your heart? You see, it's a good sign when men and women are not ashamed to be happy when you hear the plain and simple testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. That should put a smile on your face, Christians. And for those of you who don't believe, that should put a smile on your face. If you are a grown man, you can get down from your stoic pedestal and you can smile at the fact that God became a man to, to, so, and, and lived as a man so you could live. He died so that you could die to sin, right? He rose again so that you could have the hope of eternal life, right? There's no greater joy than that. Right, this year, this last year, I did um, a few weddings, and, but I did mostly a lot of memorials and funerals, right? I buried more than I married, and that's okay. There's new, li- new, new life starting, and there's, you know, death. And you know what I've realized about death? The death of a believer is really the grace of God because it's the grace of God that we don't have to live in these decaying bodies forever, amen? That we don't have to live in this world where there's dirty laundry to, to clean and fold, where there's dishes to be washed. Um, amen, parents? <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, where, you know... Just think about it. We don't have to live in this world like this in our sinful state forever. Death is a way of escape from that sinful self, because immediately at death, we are in new life with Christ. The last breath we breathe here is the first breath we breathe in the presence of God, and we're gonna recognize our Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, immediately. That's good news. And that should put a smile on your face. You see, when we're called to be the light of the world, we're called as Christians to be like this star in Bethlehem and our joy should be part of that star that we're leading people like the star, led the wise men. We're leading people to Jesus Christ. That is what we're called to do, cross connection. That is living life in connection. That's what I want to see because that's the most important thing that we can be doing this next year is not who we're gonna vote for in November. That's not the most important thing you can do. The most important thing you can do is be the brightest light here in Escondido, in your, in your workplace, with your family, with your friends, with your acquaintances, out on the street, wherever, your shopping center, wherever, you be the brightest light as possible for Jesus, like the star of Bethlehem, leading people to the King of Kings. Because you found him. And that is a great thing to be joyful for. And you can rejoice exceedingly with great joy. That joy can be all of yours today. Even if you're just starting your journey and seeking God, you can just bow your heart before him and say, God, I want to make you Lord of my life. That's good news. You see, and, and it's the greatest adventure that you're ever going to begin is the, 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 the adventure of seeking God, finding God, and then worshiping him. The greatest adventure of your life, church, is going to be like this wise men's adventure where you're seeking Jesus you find Jesus and then you worship Jesus and then they had to listen to his voice and obey him through turbulent times as they're now coming back, you know, they're leaving and they've just found, they're, they're super excited. and Then this voice comes and says, hey, yeah, by the way, don't, don't go back to Herod. Are you listening to the still small voice in your life today? Are you listening to the voice of God as he speaks to you, as you open up the word of God? Because we need to be that light and the witness to our world. What's interesting is I actually found there was a a quote from Charles Spurgeon that actually says that a country flourishes or decays according to the gospel light as it is revealed or withdrawn, right? We are the gospel light in our country, in Escondido, in our families, and a country flourishes, and I would even say a family flourishes or decays based on the gospel light that is there, amen? And with that, you go up another level and you say, okay, now a city flourishes or decays based on the gospel light that is there, are we willing to be the light here in Escondido Church? Are we willing to shine light? Are we, or are we going to cover ourselves, cover the light like a basket over us? Are we going to cover the light? Are we going to, you know, not like dim our light just enough so we can still kind of get by with some light in us, but not really be the light that ushers people to Jesus like the star of Bethlehem? I think that's what we need this next year. And I pray that that would be our, our great goal. I'm going to invite the worship team up here in a minute because as we enter into this new year and the worship team team you guys can come up um, we're going to be closing so Um, again the greatest thing that we can do in our worship of the king of kings is be a light like the star of Bethlehem the greatest thing that we can do is see other people start this journey like the wise men to seek God to seek the king of kings the lord of lords to find him and then to worship him we're about to enter into a new year and again I think I think it could be it could be an interesting year. We don't know what it's going to hold. I'm I'm not a financial guy. I'm not a political guy. I simply look to Jesus Christ, the author and founder of my my salvation. He is the one that holds the world in his hands. He does not play as a character in this worldly game of thrones that we watch play out before us. But As God, he's outside of all of that, like a chessboard placed before him, and he allows kings and rulers and presidents and governors to rise up when he appoints them and to fall when he appoints their fall. God is the one that does all of that. And it's in his providence that certain leaders are in their places. And we need to look to him, the author and perfecter of our faith, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. The Magi understood this king was the king of kings, that the kings and even the gods, little g gods, that they worshiped of their day We're underneath the one true God. But there was one true God that plays like, you know, He moves the pieces on the chessboard. That's what we need to remember this next year. And we need to worship Him. Amen. And with that, let's worship.